Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, hello there. Welcome, and we are ready for another edition of Big Fight Weekend as coming on Saturday, September the 22nd. It is the heavyweight championship of the world on the line in London, Wembley Stadium to be exact, as the WBA, the IBF, WBO heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua puts those belts and his unbeaten record on the line against Russian challenger and contender Alexander Povetkin. We are amped and excited as part of Big Fight Weekend to help preview this showdown in England as the heavyweights always seem to bring more attention, more interest. It's great for the sport to have them, so we're anxious to talk about it with some special guests. Coming up straight ahead, the former light heavyweight champion of the world. It's Tarver time. Antonio Tarver will have some insight on Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin, the matchup. What about for Joshua fighting in front of the home crowd, which Tarver has done before? What about when you're fighting a power-punching sort of undersized guy, which Joshua will be. Tarver's had experience of that in his career. He'll be sharing that with you. He's a former champ himself. I'm anxious to talk with him. My colleague Ari Russell will be with me. Great insight and analysis on the fight game, on the sweet science. He will be here. I'll get his thoughts on the wrap-up of Canelo and Triple G from last weekend. We haven't had a chance to talk to him as of yet. He'll preview Joshua and Povetkin. And I want to go down memory lane a little bit with Ari on the show and talk about the heavyweights of the 90s and the 2000s, Riddick Bowe, as well as Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, how they all fought each other. I'm anxious to talk with Ari about that part and about how Joshua fits in and maybe the American WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder fits in uh, as well as part of this equation. So Ari Russell a little bit later on on Big Fight Weekend. And then we'll introduce you to a special guest, gracious to come on with me on fairly short notice late in the week. David Payne is his name. I love David's insight as a boxing writer from over in the UK, has his own uh, website as well to help us talk about from the perspective over in London of Anthony Joshua, his fame, his skill set. He's followed his career. So David Payne will tell you more about him and let him tell you more about this matchup. We'll introduce you to him here on Big Fight Weekend later on in the show. The fighters did weigh in on Friday. And uh, as expected, Anthony Joshua is significantly bigger than than uh, uh, Alexander Povetkin in this fight. Joshua some 24 pounds heavier, 246 pounds uh, in this fight. Meanwhile, Povetkin right in around 222. That's the common fighting weights for each guy, so it is a decided advantage for Joshua. And again, I realize we're in the United States, but this guy is a humongous uh, draw right now in the UK, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, really all of Europe. They will have some 90,000 fans that will get into Wembley Stadium to watch this event in that squared circle. Yeah, they've got the big video boards too, but for a lot of the fans, are they're going to have a tiny view of the fighters in the ring, but still to be there, to be at this event. And he's fought in Wembley Stadium before, including a year and a half ago with that uh, technical knockout of Vladimir Klitschko to capture a couple of more of those heavyweight title belts. 
Again, Joshua undefeated. Only one fighter has lasted the distance with him so far in his career. Pavetkin has 20 knockouts in 34 fights. He has some controversy around him after losing to Klitschko. Later on, he has tested positive for banned substances on two occasions. Has been suspended twice. So there's a cloud over Pavetkin and the rest of his career stains for the positive drug test. So how will that affect things coming in this World Heavyweight Championship fight? So I'm anxious to see how all of it unfolds. It is Big Fight Weekend, and whether you found us through Radio Influence, whether you've subscribed, and we hope you do via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, subscribe the show, rank the show, uh, share it out, promote it to others. Uh, We are anxious to build and grow the audience here about the fights, about boxing on Big Fight Weekend. So without further delay, let's get it rolling here in advance of Joshua and Pavetkin on a Big Fight Weekend. Yeah, as promised, the champ is here, the former light heavyweight champion of the world. I love it when it's Tarver time. Here is Antonio (laughs) Tarver ready to talk to me on Big Fight Weekend about Anthony Joshua and Pavetkin coming up on uh, on Saturday. All right, champ, first of all, is it my understanding you've been on the golf course at the time that we're talking with the Winky Wright, and did you get the better of him, or did he get the better of you, or what's the story? Well, no, nah, Winky been doing all that celebrity golfing lately, man. But uh, he, we tied today, so uh, it's always nip and tuck with us. But uh, yeah, we he got away. He got away today. He did a birdie on the first hole. It held up. Uh, was, so was, yeah, we got to get back at it. I was going to say this is like the judges in the Canelo GGG fight because you know it gets scored a draw or very close on the decision. It just always seems to be that way. Whenever those guys uh, are, are fighting. Um, all right, so Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin are about to fight in England. Joshua is fighting in front of 80, maybe 90,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. You have fought in huge venues. You have fought in front of the home crowd. Does that have an effect on a fighter? I wonder, when you know you're doing it in front of your people or in front of your hometown, does it make you more motivated, or, or what's the story? Well, I mean, it's, it, it definitely can be motivation for sure. But, you know, you have to hone that in because a lot of times, you know, motivation can easily slide to distraction. You know, you got to really, you know, do the things that you normally would do. Don't get out of character. And it's, what's going to be most difficult is that all his friends and family and everyone's going to be wanting free tickets and going to want to be ringside. <laughs> and I, if I was him, I would definitely have someone, which I'm kind of saying he does, allocated to, you know, kind of control that traffic. Because when fighters try to handle that, it, it, it most definitely is a distraction a lot of times, you know. Um, everybody, you know, positioning for, you know, jockeying for a position. And for a champion, you know, you have to stay focused. You can't really be into all that, even though you want to make everyone comfortable and you want to help everyone that you want to help, you know, be comfortable. That's when it gets to be a distraction, when you your mind is on it and you're, you know, juggling this and juggling that the day before the fight, the day of the fight, the way in, you know, everybody calling your phone and needing to speak to you. As long as he allocate those, you know, positions to people and have all that done way before the fight, which I'm pretty sure, you know, with uh, his promoter, Eddie Hearn and everybody, they're going to want to make sure that he stays focused on what's in front of him. But yeah, it's very easily, to allow those things to distract you but you know being an olympic champion and having a lot of the you know uh 
privileges of uh, being a unified champion. That comes with the, uh, a hell of a assistant, assist team. So I'm sure he got all the players around to make sure that he's not disturbed or bothered, you know, hopefully fight week or leading up to the fight. Yeah, no doubt. It's a big hyped event. He sold that stadium out before. When you see Joshua fight, most of us see the the power. What do you see that, that says to you, successful champion fighter? Is it the power foremost, or is there another thing or two that stands out to you about Anthony Joshua? Well, I mean, uh, he's been dominant so far. You know, he's been able to get up off the ground. You know, a lot of fighters, a lot of champions can't do that when he was hurt against uh, uh, Klitschko. So that showed me in that fight, it really did show me that he has the mental to be uh, a world champion and, and uh, uh, one that's applauded, applauded champion like he's been. And uh, I think he came into his own with that tough fight against Klitschko. And then after that, you know, he's had his way. Um, you know, early on, there was a lot of speculation if he could really mold into the type of uh, – uh, technique that a champion would need, and it seems like he's picked that up now. So, anytime a champion goes to training camp, though, it's a learning experience. You know, you want to learn something new all the time. You want to keep building on what you already have. So, you know, it's just if you don't outgrow his trainer, and there's a, a very educated trainer that can give it to him in spells, and as he continues to grow with competition, you know, he'll find himself, you know, but. In that fight with Klitschko, it showed me that he had everything it takes to be a champion and a champion for a long time Could, uh, when you look at the heavyweight division right now. Could not agree more that the truest test is what happens when you get dropped, what happens when you get rocked, and you were a guy that had that happen some in your career and, and bounced back. Uh, Povetkin is obviously an underdog. He's smaller. He weighed in on Friday, Antonio, at almost 25 pounds lighter uh, again, Joshua around 246, Pavetkin around 222. Uh, so he is an underdog. He's a little undersized, not as tall, not as big. When you were fighting a fighter that was maybe a little smaller, but a powerful puncher, which is what Pavetkin is, how did you approach that, Antonio? Well, when you look at these two styles, I mean, of course, you know, uh, Anthony Joshua's definitely want to keep his distance you know you don't want to be able to allow Povetkin to get inside of him where you know he smothers his reach you know um if a guy can get on your in your chest it's kind of hard you know it's kind of hard to fight with alligator arms so to speak but that would definitely be the game plan for Povetkin and anyone that's coming up short of three to four inches against you know, uh, AJ, Anthony Joshua, you want to get in close. You want to throw combination punches and you want your defense, you know, you want to make him miss and make him pay. That's the game plan and, and stay in distance, you know, inside, you know, it's safer inside. A lot of fighters think it's safer outside, but it's safer inside because, you know, other than the uppercut, you really can't get a whole lot of leverage on a lot of other punches. So it'll be in Pavekian's best interest to stay inside, stay close. And if you're out in distance, definitely, you know, have some movement and some head movement about yourself so that you're not on the end of one of those big, powerful shots. 
Love the magic man, Antonio Tarver. It's Tarver time here on Big Fight Weekend. He's helping me preview Joshua and Pavetkin Saturday night for Joshua's heavyweight title belts. couple more about this, then I want to find out more about you. Uh, if Joshua wins, and most believe that he will win, do you predict for me, Deontay Wilder wants to fight him. Do you think we will see that fight? Will we see that fight in 2019? Uh, is that one going to get made? What's your prediction on that? I think if it's going to get made, I think 2019 is a good time period for it. You know, uh, I don't know what I don't know what Wilder is doing right now. I think he's taking a hiatus or he's getting ready to fight somebody. But haven't been promoting uh, one of his. I don't think his fight is on the docket yet. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, yeah, if, if AJ looks good, he still has some obligations to his sanctioned bodies, and hopefully they can work all that out. But, uh, you know, that's the fight everyone wants to get made. Everyone wants to see. So uh, I, I think it's definitely actually, it's the easiest thing in the world when two fighters want to fight. The easiest thing in the world is to make a fight. But when you got one fighter that's really not willing to fight, and there's a lot of publicity out there, you know, it's not going to get made. Somebody lying. But anyway, um, if the fight is to be made, it's going to have to come from both of these guys. They're going to have to get at the negotiation. And they're gonna have to hammer it out. Both of them, but uh, I just think the glory of having one undisputed heavyweight champion is something that boxing can really, really use right now. And it would be nice to see one guy, guy standing on top of the division, uh, Anthony Joshua, or either Deontay Wilder. Yep, we'll see how that goes. All right, so in addition to your golf game, and we're Buccaneer guys, I do the Buccaneers radio broadcast. The Bucks off to a 2-0 and start right now at the time we're talking. Antonio Tarver was in the house for that win over the Eagles. It was hot that day, and, uh, and the, the magic man was there. So in addition to that, what else is keeping the former champ busy? You still got your commentary that you do from here and, here and there, your golf game. What else is going on in Tarver land? Yeah, right now I'm managing my son, man, which, uh, you know, we've been grinding. He's in the gym. And, you know, the apple fell right on my head, man. I just can't wait to introduce Antonio Tarver Jr. to the fighting world. He's 5-0 and with four knockouts. And uh, we're just trying to, make, you know, get him with the right team and the right family, man, that can really support his boxing dreams of becoming champion like his dad did, you know. So I know, uh, you know, he can fight, man, and I, I just can't wait to the world get a hold to you know a hold of them or they get more familiar with them you know uh my biggest regret is that i didn't let him fight amateur boxing man there's no telling when i look at him in the gym and seeing all his god-given talent there's no telling how far he could have gone in the amateurs and uh the pro you know he don't have no ceiling you know he's 154 pounds and uh he's just a beast in that ring man so uh, I thought we was going to have a fight in Orlando. That just fell through. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm out here grinding, reaching all of my connects, and uh, trying to get him on the fast track to the title. I love it. Again, whenever I reach out to this guy, he's never hesitant to come on with me wherever it is. And as part of this podcast on Big Fight Weekend, I love talking to Antonio Tarver. You know this. I'm going to say it publicly. If there's any way I can ever help you and your son, Tarver Jr., you let me know on that. Do I sneak a prediction? Does Does Joshua knock Pavetkin out here? Does this one maybe go the distance? Is somebody getting knocked out? Do I sneak a prediction from you? I would be shocked if Pavekin made it all the way through 12 now. I'd be shocked. But hey, Pavekin, as an Olympic champion himself, definitely knows his way around the ring. But I just think, uh, you know, Pavekin probably bit off more than he can shoot in this fight. 
I think it's just Anthony Joshua's turn right now. And until we see DeAndre Wilder in the ring with him, like even Tyson Fury, you know, I don't, I don't think I think that the, the, the talent falls and drops way off from those three guys. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Drink, eat, live, local Touch Vodka. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. As promised, here he is. We're back on Big Fight Weekend with Ari Russell, my man who's in the New York City area, loves the sweet science, can break it down. We are talking Joshua Povetkin, the heavyweight championship of the world coming up in London Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, humongous fight over in Europe with an Englishman fighting a Russian. We'll get more into that fight in a second in the preview mode. Ari, as I bring you on, I have not given you the, the opportunity, the stage here, to give me a thought on Canelo Triple G as Canelo crap, uh, captures the um, majority decision last Saturday night, captures the World Middleweight Championship. Give me uh, your thoughts. Was it a just decision, the correct decision, as Canelo gets the World Middleweight title? No, I don't think, I mean, it was, it was suspect again. I didn't really uh, buy that. The fact that Canelo won the fight, uh, even making it a draw at best, the draw. I mean, what's his, his triple G landed several more. I mean, significantly more punches, significantly more power punches. Uh, I just, I, I don't see how this happened, but this is boxing. It's sketchy. <laughs> so everything is sketchy. So you know, and it's good because, okay, now we're going to get a third fight. I figured <laughs> if uh, Golovkin won that one, they probably may have not have done a third fight, but now they're going to have to. So uh, that's two controversial fights and uh, a lot of things going on with that. So, I mean, it's good for, I guess, boxing fans. If, if, if Golovkin is able to win the next one, okay, so we kind of have this thing sort of settled. Maybe. <laughs> not really. Maybe. And you know, then maybe there's a fourth for, one it's, it's if that uh, – I, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine there'd be a fourth fight. Now, we do tip the hat to our colleague Deshaun Tate, who on the preview show with us last week in a separate interview said, I think this thing's going to be a draw again for the third fight. Ari, he was one scorecard away where the guy gave – Canelo the 12th round when you could have easily given Golovkin the 12th round if that one guy gives Canelo the 12th round you have two scorecards reading 114-114 and the fight is a draw again so Deshaun almost called his shot on big fight weekend last weekend the one thing that you come back to is Golovkin's own corner was concerned that he was not winning the fight and I don't know that he did enough in the championship rounds in the in the 9th 10th 11th and 12th round to win the fight. I don't think he was dominant in the 12th round when he had to be, and two of the judges gave it to Canelo, and as I just said, one of them scored the fight for uh, Canelo 115-113 because he gave him the 12th round. Do you believe that that Golovkin, Triple D, didn't do enough at the very end and that cost him? You know, it, it reminds me somewhat of the Felix Trinidad-Oscar De La Hoya fight to a degree, but in this case, there wasn't really a dominant fighter in the back ends of the rounds. It was almost like Golovkin didn't finish off the points, basically. Where in the it, but the scoring of it obviously showed that that the judges thought it was similar to that, where he didn't do enough. I don't believe in not doing enough, but I, going back to the Trinidad De La Hoya fight, where De La Hoya really was dominating the first half of that fight, 
and then he completely fell off. But the dominance between Trinidad in the last half of that fight, especially the last four rounds, compared to the dominance in the earlier rounds for De La Hoya was, was, was more vast. So it's easier to say that decision was, right. was better for Trinidad at the time. This one, I, I don't, it's weird to say that he had, like, it's almost like they're on two different, you know, measuring sticks and, and, and that Golovkin has to do extra, extra and, you know, Canelo just has to show up. And I'm not really for that. Everything should be equal going into this thing. So it seems like everyone expected, or at least the judges that marked it this way, thought what you're saying. And I think that's kind of a ridiculous way to score it. But again, I don't get paid the big bucks to do this. I'm sitting here talking to you. So, you know, maybe they know more than me. <laughs> maybe maybe we should get paid the big bucks for calling this stuff in advance. All right, enough of Canelo, Triple G, and if we'll see a third one, and if a, if a fourth one comes around, I guess we'll be talking about that too. We definitely know what we have, and that is a heavyweight showdown on beating Anthony Joshua, defending his three versions of the heavyweight title, the Alphabet Soup, the WBA, the IBF, the WBO versions of the heavyweight title on the line against a Russian, Alexander Povetkin, that has 24 knockouts and 34 wins, one defeat to Klitschko, Joshua unbeaten, all all but one of them uh, in the heavyweight um uh, realm have been decisions he's only had one knockout in the recent uh heavyweight title run that he has had although he's a big time puncher uh joshua defeated klitschko a year and a half ago has now defended the title a couple of times he is the star this fight in england he is the the british former olympic heavyweight champion he's the draw he's younger give me an overall assessment about this title defense against the russian and then we'll get into a little bit more but give me an overall snapshot I mean, in this case, obviously, you know, home cooking is going to be brewing pretty good for him in, in Britain. Um, you know, he, he's a superstar in Britain. This is obviously the first time that they've had a major heavyweight in the uh, country in the UK since our favorite pugilist specialist, Lennox Lewis. And, and so Joshua is bringing in a lot of fanfare. This is obviously the toughest opponent that he's faced to date. I mean, I know the Klitschko story is interesting, but Klitschko is as old as the Dead Sea Scrolls at this point. So, <laughs> so uh, I mean... Or even at that point when they fought a few years ago. So, so I think, uh, you know, this is definitely his most skilled, his most toughest match to date. He's still young with 28. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But obviously, I think, you know, Joshua has the advantage being at the fighting in his home, in his home country. Uh, you know, he's going to have the fans on his back. And, uh, you know, he's got a significant size and weight advantage. I think that's going to play a role. Uh, but, and, and also his youth. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, but, but uh, his opponent is, is, is a very skilled fighter and if he could stretch him out you know he might get a chance to, to get something in there I, I'm, I'm not sure if he could do that though it just seems that joshua is really one of these fighters that's really on the uh is moving towards his apex in his career and i think that uh, his opponent uh Buckin is uh is is probably more on the uh on the downside of it you know they're, they're they're meeting at this point and we'll see we'll see we'll see what joshua is and where he is in his career uh but he is facing an opponent that's that's more on the downslope I think, you know, but he's still a quality opponent. It should be a really good fight. It's actually finally good to see we actually have some quality heavyweight fights that, you know, won't put us to sleep anymore, which is great for the sport. I think I may have said it wrong. He's only had one fight go the decision, and that was his last title fight with Joshua Parker earlier this year. The other ones have all ended in knockout. He's into them early. And you mentioned that Joshua reminds you of Lennox Lewis. In a lot of ways, it's kind of the same thing. 
uh, as Lewis's fighting style, the big upright fighter with the big right hand. I, I know you favor another guy from the 90s, Riddick Bow, that was the same way. Huge fighter with the big right hand. Joshua kind of out of that mold, yeah. Ari Russell. Yeah, he's a little bit slimmer than Bo was. I mean, Bo was gigantic. I mean, he was just thick and everything. And and I, I, I Joshua was a lot more cut than Bo was when he came up. You know, Bo, he, he kind of looks like Bo and Bo in the, in the Seoul Olympics in 1988 when he actually got the silver medal and uh, Lennox Lewis happened to get the, the gold in 1988 in Seoul, uh, which was loaded, by the way, with boxers coming oh, yeah. up uh, that, that Olympics. But, uh, you know, I, I, think he, I think you're right. I think he's got a similar right hand as far as the devastation that once if you connect it, you re, if you connect it straight up, it could really lead to a knockout. Uh, Bo is really probably a, a, a forgotten champion of that era. People forget everyone talks Holyfield, everyone talks Tyson and Lewis, and almost nobody talks about Riddick Bo. At the time, he was he was dominant for a pretty good space. He obviously was battling with weight issues and, and other issues as well uh, at the time. Uh, but uh, Rock Newman did his best to keep him in line uh, when, as his trainer, so uh, or I mean as his uh, promoter, really. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good comparison. Obviously, people are going to compare him to Lennox Lewis because he is from Great Britain. Uh, but but I would say that his Lennox Lewis was more of a was more of a, a tactical fighter, per se, not a knockout, not a knockout specialist at all. He would take you the distance and he would almost dominate you in the distance. He wouldn't knock you out too much uh, as much. Joshua definitely has more of a devastating right hand, as you mentioned, which does kind of bring you back to Bo, I guess, if you're comparing it to, to, you know, really solid heavyweight champions. So, you know, that that's something that I think plays a big role. He does have that reach, and if he's able to get that angle, he can knock out his opponent and do that again. And that's really how he's been winning these fights early on. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if he, if he can actually go the distance with a fighter that's, that's going to be scrappy and that's willing to really actually tactically get him involved into a, into a boxing match here. So we'll see. Voice of Ari Russell, you can follow him at Ari Russell on Twitter. He's part of Big Fight Weekend. I'm TJ Reeves. We're previewing the Anthony Joshua Alexander Povetkin World Heavyweight Championship fight scheduled for Saturday night in London at Wembley Stadium. Ari, they'll have 90,000 there. This is like the fourth time that he has sold out Wembley Stadium. They are bonkers for this fight. They love great fights and great fighters and have for a century, basically, in England. And Joshua is the latest one. So, again, a capacity 90,000 fan crowd will be on hand in a in a football, the air quotes, soccer for us, the football stadium uh, one of the hallowed venues in all of sports will house this thing on saturday it's going to be some scene uh, for pavetkin coming in again the fighters weighed in at the time that we're talking they weighed in uh, late morning london time early morning u.s time and uh, anthony joshua is 24 pounds heavier 246 pounds for anthony joshua pavetkin at 222 do you make anything out of the 24 pound Weight differential, is that big advantage, Joshua, or, or do you make much of that? Yeah, I mean, or as they call it in Britain, I've been reading up on that. They call it stone. That's right. That I got it correctly. He's 17, like, he's 17 stone, 8 pounds, thank you, 246, and two full stones heavier. And I know the British, the British media and the British bookies are making a big deal about that. Is it a big deal? Well, it's like he's weighed in pretty much the same over the last few fights, right? So right. No, no different there. Um, you know, I, I 
when it comes to this point, when you get to this level, it's, you know, obviously his right hand, that's good for his right hand because he's got that extra two and a half stone. I'm going to use their terminology because it sounds better. Uh, <laughs> it's British terminology. He's got that two and a half stone difference. Uh, that's, that's a significant percentage difference uh, as far as what's behind that right hand. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a big difference because, you know, and he's in great shape. I mean, you look at him, he's not, he's cut, man. He's, he's not, he's not like thick, like, like, like Bo was, you know, or, or even he's not thick like Lennox Lewis, but he is cut, man. Like he is in shape. Yep. And you know, that's, he, so my, my guess is that he also, he's got his conditioning must be good. If you're looking that kind of cut, you know, he must have, have really good conditioning at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is an advantage for him. I mean, I think the bigger advantage really for him because of that right is the reach more than anything. Yep. He has a significant reach advantage. That's really the, the advantage there because then he doesn't have to be fully in to be able to connect the right hand. And, and, and because of that, he's able to stay out of harm's way a little bit easier. So I think that's more of an advantage than, than, the, than the actual weight behind him. All right, uh, a few more minutes here uh, on this subject. Again, for Alexander Povetkin, he has scored a couple of recent wins, including a knockout of a big British fighter, not a, not anywhere in the class of Joshua, but a bigger, taller British fighter named David Price. He knocked him out in the fifth round. And Ari, in seeing that uh, victory in March of this year, he had Price down early, Povetkin, and then Price actually rocked Povetkin and dropped him with a left hook. Uh, which which I believe was only the second time Povetkin had been down or the third total in his career, had him stunned, and then Povetkin came back with a big right, staggered Price in the fifth round, and then a, an Ivan Drago-like left hook nearly <laughs> decapitated Price and laid him out. He's got a big-time left hook. He is a dangerous puncher, and he showed a little something in that fight uh, in the in the UK in Wales because he got off the canvas Pavetkin himself to score the knockout and and I and I you know I again come back to boxing is different than all other sports because one punch means everything and Pavetkin has got a mean left hook Ari. Yeah, no, that plays that plays a significant role in this. I think you know for sure. Yeah, that's obviously. But again, I think the reach differential right. is going to be going to be the issue because I think. Yeah, he did get knocked down by Price, but Price isn't at the class that Anthony Joshua is at this point. So, you know, I, I don't think it's 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 just it's a whole different monster he's fighting now. Like, yeah, he might, you know, Price might have a similar reach in size as Joshua, but I don't think he has the skill and the the quickness. I mean, that that and the strength behind behind his punches that that Joshua does. I mean, Joshua's an ox, man. He's strong. He's strong, man. He's strong. So, so is the only you know, those, way those hurt. is the only way that Pavetkin he, really? He's gonna have to sneak in. He's gonna have. To I was gonna say one. the yeah, only gonna way to, that he has him. a chance is get under that reach, get along the ropes, work the body. Because if this fight is at distance, it's a matter of time before Joshua rips him up. Fair assessment. I I think so. You know, again, but it means just again. This is a veteran fighter we're talking about, so it's, it, it's possible that he can do that. He's a veteran. He's been around the block. He's fought against, you know, every other top prospect and veteran in, in this in this you know arena and the, the heavyweight division. So, you know, he's he's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, bouts under his under his chin. So, you know, that that play, that could play a role too. We'll see. And it's just it's one of these things where you know, yeah, he does have that dangerous left. He's we've we've seen him devastate opponents in the past and. You know, that's a matter of something I'm sure that, that, that he's aware of, that they, that they know that they're going to try to see where they can catch him. Uh, but really outside of that, you know, this is going to be 
probably by far, at least at this stage of, of Joshua's career, the, the, the toughest the toughest matchup that Plufkin has faced, uh, you know, since since he's become a professional boxer. So he's had more time, what is he, thirty four or thirty six, something like that. Yep. Uh, you know, he's been in the game a lot longer and he's also an Olympic champion too, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. So, the 04 um, Olympics. That's you know, correct. So and he I fought he did fight Klitschko, but it was all the way back in twenty thirteen. That's his lone loss, and Klitschko knocked him down once and dominated him for twelve rounds. That's his lone loss. And you look at the rest of the names Manuel Char, Mike Perez, Johan Duwapa, uh Christian Hammer of Germany. I mean, none of these names are gonna make you really go, Wow, he's a great fighter. So this is by yeah. far since the Klitschko fight five right. years ago. By far. The biggest, the biggest deal yeah. for him. All right, a couple more on this subject. Povetkin very famously has flunked two drug tests. One of them cost him a 2017 fight over in Russia where he got stripped of his version of the heavyweight title against American Deontay Wilder. Everybody wanted to see that fight. Povetkin failed a pre-fight drug test two weeks before the fight. He has failed another drug test in the in the months after that and has continued on to fight. So I'm kind of asking you the same question I did about Canelo last weekend, but it's times two now. Is something taken away from this no matter what because we've got a stained fighter, Pavetkin, twice with two failed drug tests? What's your take? I, I Honestly, I, I haven't heard that much amongst the casual fan regarding Canelo. So I don't think that it's going to matter here either. It's get in the ring. I mean, to be honest, the bigger controversy with the Canelo fight was the scoring, not no one's talking about really the there it seemed like there's 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 something bigger associated directly with the fight that's more controversial, right. which just kind of erases the fact that so I would think that the only way that people might bring up that it's an issue after the fact if he does happen to knock out Anthony Joshua, people be like, "Oh, well, he's he must this, be roided up again." Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So so that's so that's where that. But if it's a decision and it's close and it's questionable, I think the controversy won't be around that. It'll be around the actual scoring. So right, you know, Canelo got a good kind of got a good little uh, uh, block from from that controversy because there's other scoring controversy, which really at the end of the day is completely out of his hands. So no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, so so you know so I think it, so he got a little he got a little shade thrown for that, and that that helps his like I guess PR deal and. I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, obviously if Anthony Joshua knocks him out, that doesn't matter or wins the fight. It doesn't matter. And I'll go back saying uh, if, 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 uh, if he does knock him out, you know, that's when questions might arise. That's about it. But I, I think the casual fan really doesn't care, and I don't think the casual fan even knows about it. Even, they'll just finally hear about it. And at that point, that was, what, 2016, I think? So it was yep. already two years ago. He's already fought between then and now. So, you know, I, I don't see it as a big deal. All right, uh, and again for uh, this matchup, uh, you know you, you would suspect Joshua was the heavy favorite. Most believe he will eventually knock out or stop Povetkin, and maybe even early. But that's why we tune in. One more thing, because I love your insight. You and I go back a ways uh, together, friendship, professionally, whatever, and we're also kindred spirits with old school boxing. And old school for us is eighties, nineties. In the nineties, we mentioned Riddick, Bo, yeah. Bo, and Holyfield, three epic fights. If you have not seen. The Jim Lampley feature on his show, Fight Game, on HBO. It's a great feature where they've caught up with Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe. 
who were in the present day in South Florida now living near each other. Holyfield is kind of mentoring Bo and trying to get him back into shape. But those guys had three tremendous fights for the heavyweight title in the early Mm -hmm. 90s. Mike Tyson gets out of prison in and around that time. He gets back in the mix, regains the heavyweight title. He ends up, he never fought Bo. He ends up fighting Holyfield and losing. And then the famous rematch with the ear biting. Lennox Lewis is in the mix. Lewis fights Holyfield and beats him twice. Lewis fights Tyson and knocks him out in the uh, in the 2000 uh, battle, in the heavyweight battle there. My point is, the great heavyweights of the 90s all fought each other. And for Anthony Joshua... I guess Deontay Wilder, the American, is is a is a big name. He's got to have a rival like what we had in the '90s to kickstart and get the interest going again in the heavyweights. He's a big star in mm-hmm. in Europe, but I don't know that it registers in the U.S. He's got to have a rivalry with Wilder or some or some big names, doesn't he? Real quick. Well, I mean, really, outside of Joshua at this point in the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder is the guy. I mean, he's he's really the the great American boxing hope. At this point, you know, I, I always said this, and I think you would agree with me, that boxing in general, at least in, in the States, is, is as relevant as there's relevance with an American heavyweight champion. Absolutely. Because right now, like, obviously, Absolutely. You know, I think that, 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 that raises the entire, the entire tide. You know, that raises all the boats. So, uh, and yeah, you could have middleweights, but like, obviously, in the 80s, we had great middleweights, but we also had Tyson in his prime at the same time. You know, so like... So we're talking about that. We need to have the, the division of boxing or all like heavyweight division of boxing needs an American champion for the sport to be relevant. And the real hope for that, to, because MMA is really filled in the void. And personally, like I, I respect MMA, but personally, I'm, I'm a boxing fan through and through. And I'm, I've never really gotten into MMA. And I know there's a lot of dormant boxing fans out here that are just waiting for the moment for a heavyweight champion. And right now, this is really the fight for the boxing fan that's been dormant to watch as a precursor to the potential Joshua Deontay Wilder fight, which I think would be a huge spectacle because it's, it's a chance for us to finally have two legit actual heavyweight champions. One, you know, and it's great. It's, it's the red coat versus the you know, yep. American, <laughs> you know, it's kind of having that, that British American rivalry is fantastic is wonderful. Um, you know, and, and Wilder is really the guy like he's the he's the guy that the, the all of American boxing holds its hope on as far as the fan is concerned. Uh, you know, Mayweather really, I think, did a disservice for the for, for the industry as far as uh, he was good for himself. But I think he really sucked out all the resources, especially dragging that uh, that um, Manny Pacquiao fight for years until Pacquiao was longer in the tooth. I think that didn't help. So it's funny, it's one guy, Wilder, and we get a chance to see his potential hopeful opponent on Saturday night to fight to see who it is. And I I honestly think that's the fight. That's going to be the biggest heavyweight fight since since the 90s. And and I know that the like honestly like Lewis and Holyfield fights, the fight that that wasn't great. They weren't great fights. Holyfield was already way past his prime. You know, I I really think the last time that we had really good heavyweights go head-to-head was was Holyfield Bo earlier 90s so well, I think that that that's it's been a long time man I and mean, to been, your you point know, because decades. to your point you had Bo you had Holyfield you have Tyson who was all America all those were Americans you had Lewis in the mix and that and that was a great draw yep. in the 90s that this was a British big-time power fighter 
uh, that got everybody interested. Now, right. again, Deontay Wilder at the time we're talking, it's not official yet, but he is supposedly going to fight December 1st in Los, uh, in Los Angeles, probably on pay-per-view against another UK fighter, Tyson Fury, a guy that beat Klitschko but has battled drug problems, mental illness problems, but is back fighting again. So Wilder is waiting for the winner of this because Wilder would love to get his hands on Povetkin as well. If Povetkin somehow upsets Joshua, Wilder would love to get his hands on him also because he didn't get to fight him a couple of years ago with the drug test. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll but, see but, we'll but see I what think, happens. Yeah, I think I think, but I think the the boxing fan wants Joshua Wilder. Sure, I don't think they care about Povetkin. And uh, and Wilder, I think I think having the, the British fighter that's younger and the up and coming guy that everyone is talking about is the best in the class. And Wilder is also every, I, you need to have one and one a fight each other, you know, and, and, and the longer it takes, the worse it gets. So, yeah. at the, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure he would want to get Povetkin and maybe after that fight that he fights Anthony Joshua, he might fight Povetkin. That's good. Povetkin's the third one in this one. One and one A is, is Joshua and Wilder, and that's what we're waiting for. And, you know, we get to see, you know, I, Pave- look, I, I would say Povetkin is probably third best in this class, but he is legit. He's a legit fighter. He's not a tomato can, right? He's legit. Uh, you know, but I don't think he's at the level of Joshua and certainly not at the level of Wilder. We need that fight, man. But yeah, again, we it's do. good to get the warm-ups to kind of get previewed before we get there. It would have to probably By be the way, in, Wilder, uh, Wilder made it clear. Wilder made it clear because Joshua won't fight him and Povetkin failed the drug test. He will not be at this fight on Saturday night at Wembley Stadium in London. He is staying away, and he is waiting for his opportunity, basically for it to be forced, for the hand of Anthony Joshua to be forced to fight Wilder, if that is the case. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. So I gotta go. The Clubber Lang sitting. He's not. He's not. He's not pulling the Clubber Lang sitting at every Rocky fight. And stalk <laughs> and stalk out of the arena while Rocky is preening to the crowd over a beaten stiff that he knocks out. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it when you go back to Rocky bummed, three references. Rocky, they were bummed. They were, it was hand picked, Rock. Okay, before I let you go. Again, he's Ari Russell at Ari Russell. It is Big Fight Weekend. I will set the under over at five rounds for this one. Joshua Povetkin, either fighter, let's say. Does this go beyond five rounds, or is somebody laid out within five? I, th- I think it goes six. <laughs> Not much. I go to over six. I don't know. I never, I never know these things. I'm terrible. You don't, you don't buy Both into these, that it will go all the way. You believe it is a knockout and most likely will. a Joshua knockout. Yeah, most likely a Joshua knockout or or TKO. You know, so he'll either get him technically on a knockout or he'll get him knocked out or they break out the smelling salt. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> but see. I think, I think it's Joshua. It yeah. is some scene when he fights in uh, in Wembley Stadium like he fought Klitschko a year and a half ago. Uh, he also fought uh, recently against Joseph Parker in uh, – uh, or I'm sorry, he didn't fight against um, Joseph Parker in that instance. Uh, Anthony Joshua fought uh, earlier in his career a couple of different times at Wembley Stadium, and again, they will have um, – yeah, I'm correct. It is Joseph Parker that he fought, and he fought him in Wales. Uh, but he fought at Wembley against Klitschko. He's fought at, at the O2 Arena as well. So they're going to be hyped up. Again, outdoors, 90,000 fans. They're going to be going crazy. Let's see if Joshua can deliver the knockout here as as part of this and Big Fight Weekend. Ari, I love the insight, as always. Uh, 
<laughs> I should have I should have teed you up for the famous Mr. T line from Rocky Three. Do you have a prediction for tonight? And you always love to answer pain. pain from Mr. T. Let's see if the pain is brought on Saturday. Enjoy the Joshua fight. Let's see if we get the spectacular knockout. I love talking with you on Big Fight Weekend, sir. All right. Thanks, DJ. Thanks for having me as always. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Drink. Eat. Live. Local. Touch Vodka. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, we do roll on. It is Joshua Pavetkin for the World Heavyweight Championship, at least most of the belts. But Anthony Joshua holds Deontay Wilder holding one version of the heavyweight title and lurking, waiting for whoever comes up a winner in this fight coming in England on Saturday night. I am your somewhat lucid, somewhat capable host here on Big Fight Weekend. He is a guy that I located online. Let me tell you how good a guy David Payne is, because I located him online, found him, emailed him, and he got back to me not in five minutes, but in about 55 minutes and said, yes, absolutely, I would love to come on and talk some boxing and talk some Anthony Joshua. David's got a website, boxingwriter.co in the U.K., He's up on all of the big-time British fighters' fights and European connections to this, so who better than to, to provide us a resource than David here on Big Fight Weekend. First of all, good to have you on the eve of this fight. I guess the first question is, we know there are 90,000 that will be in attendance. How big a deal is this overall? Good to have you, David. Uh, good to be on the show, TJ. Thanks for the invitation. Um Yes, Joshua is a phenomenon. He's, uh, he's big news, big business, um, mainstream press, full coverage everywhere. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's a big character and a, and a well-known personality now in the UK, above, far and beyond the, um, the hardcore boxing fan. He's uh, trans- transferred that appeal into a, what we call a casual audience here, a mainstream audience, which is why he's able to fill these huge stadiums. And he will come very close to filling it again this weekend. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of fans in the United States, there are boxing fans that know who he is, but there are a lot of fans in the United States who may just be finding out about Anthony Joshua. They may have seen the fight or seen highlights of the Klitschko fight a year and a half ago. <clears throat> For those that don't know the story, that don't know the hype to this point, give give us a thing or two that really stands out about why this guy is such a big deal in the UK and in Europe. Okay, um, well, I read somewhere this week that um, it's been described that us Brits like a gentleman champion, and he's uh, he's certainly fulfilling lots of aspects of that, but his, his story is a bit richer than that, if you will. Um, he was a, a guy with not a lot of prospects, getting himself into trouble as a teenager, not big trouble, but sort of small, petty trouble with police, etc., um, and boxing turned his life around. It's a story we've heard a thousand times, but... It's given him a di- discipline and a purpose. And within three years of taking up box, um, becoming amateur, he was boxing at the Olympics and winning the gold medal. And he's a big puncher. He's a big, athletic, handsome guy. Very appealing to, to um, uh, sponsors and people who want to place product. And he knocks people out. Um, bar one fight, <laughs> he's knocked everyone out. He's a, he's a big puncher and he's, and he's usually all action. So there's a lot to like, and he's done everything pretty quick. And as I mentioned in the intro, he's uh, 
he's, he's appealed to a broader audience. So he's brought a big, he's, he's developed a big crowd. It's a big event. It's a big night out when Joshua's fighting. So there's a lot to like about him. And I think American fans will appreciate him when they get the right kind of exposure to him because his fights are, on the whole, pretty entertaining and blood and thunder. Hey, we have talked earlier in this podcast before you came on about kind of the lineage of the heavyweight championship in the 90s and how it progressed to Lennox Lewis being the champion there from England and being the world champion for several years. Uh, Did Joshua idolize him at all? Did it make him want to be a boxer? What about the comparisons to Lennox Lewis? What about that part, David? Well, I think there are there are certain synergies between them, and I think uh, Joshua is a great student of many fighters. He will often make reference to the likes of Ron Lyle, Ernie Shavers, these kind of guys. So people, you know, <laughs> a step a step down from the obvious, um, who he enjoyed watching have those big brawls in the seventies. Um, but I think what what um, Anthony's always trying to do is learn from everybody that he meets, from every encounter, from every negotiation, from every fight, from every camp. Um, He's trying to glean and and soak things up. So I think Lennox Lewis is obviously a massive beacon of how to do things in respect to conducting yourself, but also uh, professionally and commercially, he was very successful. He, He did everything he wanted to do competitively and he left with a lot of money and he left with his faculties intact and I think there are a lot of uh, strands of what Lennox did and his stature in the game that that he would like to emulate and perhaps go beyond so he talks very much about this being a a big life plan that he has uh, and with aspirations above and beyond boxing so um, yes there's certainly some some echoes of Lewis in what he's doing. Again, David Payne with us. BoxingWriter.co is his website. You can follow him at The Boxing Writer on social media, on Twitter. I really appreciate his availability on short notice, talking to us from the UK here about this fight Saturday night. Anthony Joshua, Alexander Povetkin. All right, let's dive right in. Povetkin is a dangerous puncher. Everybody's got a puncher's chance, especially in the heavyweight division. What handicap it? What kind of chance do you give Pavetkin against against serious odds uh, in Joshua's home stadium, if you will, raucous crowd, big puncher that Joshua is? What kind of chance does Pavetkin have? Do you think? Um, he has a chance, as you say. Once they get to this sort of size, everyone's got a chance. Everyone's got a puncher's chance, and, and even within the heavyweight division, where everyone is pretty much capable of knocking someone out. Povetkin is a particular specialist at that. He's he's a knockout puncher. He can knock you out with a left hook. He can knock you out with the overhand right. He's got good amateur background going back what seems like a million years ago now. Um, but he was an Olympic super heavyweight champion. He's um, He's been in with a lot of good fighters. He can knock you out early. He can knock you out late. He's only lost once to Klitschko. So the pedigree is there. But you can't keep... I think we, we're in danger of always ignoring the fact that these guys are getting older these days and at almost 39 he's no spring chicken and he's had chances before and not quite been able to do it or he's had the chance versus Klitschko and not quite been able to do it so I don't think we can expect him to be as sprightly as he was in his late 20s when he first came through but he certainly possesses strength he possesses uh, big fight experience he's fought on big cards in Germany in front of 15 60,000 people so I don't anticipate him being intimidated by the experience as such um, but Joshua is the is the fresher, is the taller. Um, as you mentioned, has got that home advantage for whatever that's worth once the bell rings. Um, so I, I think the odds, obviously, 
obviously favour Joshua heavily, but I think Povetkin gives you a bit of fun if you wanted to back the upset. You know, I think he's like, he's got better chances than perhaps the bookmakers are offering him. Love it. Uh, you know, in watching a couple of his fights, including the recent fight with David Price in the UK earlier in March, he was down. But he knocked Price down, and then Price knocked him down, and he came back to win with a thunderous right and then the, the left hook when Price was basically defenseless. And for Joshua, the Klitschko fight, and even before that, when Joshua fought a couple of years ago against Dillian White in late 2015, he was in trouble in that fight. Uh, too. So there is an element that both of these guys bring big punches, but both of these guys have shown vulnerability too, real quick, David. Yeah, the, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think Joshua is a much different fighter to the one that fought Dillian White three years ago, a lot more polished and rounded. And he demonstrated against Parker that he can box to a plan and not give the other guy a chance he doesn't deserve. But I, I sense... Um, TJ, in the build-up to this, with the um, re-emergence of Tyson Fury and the prospect of him fighting Wilder and the spotlight swinging away a little bit and him getting some different kinds of questions and critique of what he's done and what his intentions are, I get the sense that Joshua's a little bit unsettled, a little bit um, agitated. And the last time he was like that in a, a preamble to a fight when he let his emotions into it was the Dillian White fight, which got messier than perhaps it should have done. Um, and if he fights with emotion too much this week, obviously he could run straight through Povetkin, but he could open himself up to that kind of humdinger up and downer that Povetkin's capable of giving him. As you saw with the Price fight, Price is a very different fighter. Um he can be hurt, but he can certainly hurt other people. And uh, I, I hope, from British point of view, and probably for the health of the division, that we can still have those Wilder and Fury fights that Joshua doesn't fight too much with his emotions. And uh, he's compact and organized and busy, but uh, doesn't go in there to have a slugfest because he will open himself up to, to risks that maybe he doesn't need to. That's why we're going to tune in for this one on Saturday night at Wembley Stadium. Anthony Joshua, Alexander Povetkin. Another moment or two with David Payne, kind enough to spend time with us on Big Fight Weekend from the UK in anticipation of the fight. All right, the under-over I will set at five rounds. Are we going past five rounds no matter who wins? What do you think? Yes. If uh, if I was putting money on it, I'd say it'll go over five rounds. No one's put um, Povetkin away quickly. He's stubborn, um, determined. This is his last big chance. He will give it everything. Um, so aside from the possibility of a referee being a bit too keen to stop something, I think this goes past five rounds. I think um, it may go later. And a points a points, uh, a points, points win for Joshua wouldn't surprise me. Okay. We always have fun with the weights. We were joking about this earlier before you came on with the metrics and the difference because in in the UK, he's two stones heavier. In the United States, <laughs> that's 25 pounds heavier. Is that surprising? Is that that big of an advantage? I mean, Joshua was a big guy. Does that the weight disparity surprise you? Is it bigger advantage, Joshua? Are we making too much of it? Um. Well, it depends what you do with it, doesn't it? Um, certainly Joshua is an athletic guy at his size. Uh, he's weighed heavier. And when he did weigh heavier for the Takam fight, um, I felt like it showed. He didn't look he didn't look sharp. And he acknowledged that, again, part of his determination to learn from every experience. And he came back in a lot lighter for the Parker fight. And he's coming this time somewhere in between, which is probably about right for him. This is the 246, which, again, has got the echoes of Lewis, which is where Lewis was at his best at about that sort of 245 mark. Um, 
but it is slightly surprising that he's got so much weight. It's because they're they're two or three inches apart in size, but not massively different in frame. So it's it, it is quite a big disparity. We're not that accustomed to heavyweights coming in under 16 stone, as we say here, or under about I think 230 for you guys in America. We're we're, we're most accustomed to being north of that these days, aren't we? So um, I think I think it will. I think it probably will will be an advantage, and he, and he may need that weight because. Um, Povetkin will seek to get inside, will seek to land big shots and will probably seek to work inside a little bit too. So he'll he'll want that weight to lean on and push back. So I think it's a good weight for Joshua and I think Povetkin looks like he's in good shape too. So there should be no excuses come tomorrow night. I'm going to joke with you that you don't know this about me because we haven't met and you haven't seen me, but I'm six foot three and I'm under 16 stone. So I guess I'm good. I'm under, I'm under the, I'm under the weight limit there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're more, you're more in the Deontay Wilder weight range there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, a couple more and then I promise I will let you go uh, here on this. You've been fantastic with what you're doing. Pavetkin, obviously the, the pink elephant in the room is the two failed drug tests. And one of them derailed the Deontay Wilder fight right before it happened. Uh, in the UK, is this a big deal? Is it a big deal that Povetkin is somehow tainted before this fight begins, or are we making too much of that on this podcast? I don't think you're making too much of it, and I worry when we don't mention it. I worry that it's not a point of reference um, because it, it, it shows that we're becoming apathetic to it, and I, I would hate for that to be the case, that we just accept this without maintaining the stain on someone's character um but Povetkin has failed two drugs tests and um that that should always be noted but what can we do as media and fans if the the bodies and the the regulators that run boxing determine that he's now able to fight based on their rules what are we to do we can't pretend it's not happening we can't not report on it so we have to go along with the bodies that in play, unfortunately, as we all acknowledge, they probably don't do the best job of running the sport, but that, that that's the hand we're dealt. So I'm glad that you mention it. Um, it. It should be a bigger deal in many ways. It should be reported in every single article about Povetkin because it should never be forgotten because he puts people in danger by cheating. And that's essentially what it is. Um, but we're assuming he's clean now. Um, I don't. I must confess, I don't know what his status is with regards to whether he's been tested by Varda or not for this for this contest. But we must assume he's clean, and it's a fair contest. I'm sure, with the amount of money that's involved in the uh, Anthony Joshua business, that no stone will have been left unturned, if possible, to ensure that that is the case. Yeah, no doubt. And there will be a segment, and rightfully so, that looks at this and says, even if he beats a test, quote unquote, if he beats a test, I still don't believe him because they've caught him twice before for doing this. We'll see if if Anthony Joshua dispatches Povetkin and makes it irrelevant, dispatches him quickly and it's over with, then it doesn't matter. We'll uh, we'll find out. That's why they're going to line up and do this. I want to give you the opportunity for our audience that's hearing this, wherever you're hearing this, uh, on Big Fight Weekend as part of Radio Influence, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you found the podcast david payne tell them more where they can read more about you and find out more about you go ahead sir oh well, that's very kind of you tj uh follow me on um twitter at the boxing writer and my website is boxingwriter.co.uk um and you'll see most of my work there i appear in other places but that's principally where you'll find most of my work but it's been great to talk to you tj thank you Fantastic stuff from David Payne. Again, follow him at The Boxing Rider. David, enjoy the fight. We will be watching. It should be a wild night no matter what happens, sir. Certainly should. Look forward to it.
And that will wrap it up for this preview of the upcoming Joshua Povetkin fight Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, around 5 Eastern time. They'll be in the ring. That's just after 10 p.m. London time at Wembley Stadium. As again, Joshua puts the WBA, IBF, and WBO versions of the heavyweight championship on the line against the Russian challenger. Will Povetkin have something for him, or will Joshua make mincemeat of him? Yet another victim in his long line of title defenses and knockouts to his credit. We'll see. We'll find out coming up on Saturday night. My thanks to our guest, the magic man, Antonio Tarver, helping us preview it, the former light heavyweight champion of the world, Ari Russell, my man from the NYC, here with the breakdown. Follow him at Ari Russell, talking boxing with me all the time on Big Fight Weekend. And thanks as well to David Payne, the boxing writer, for being with us from in the UK. Again, follow him on social media on Twitter at The Boxing Writer and his website as well with theboxingwriter.co.uk. Loved his insight and the perspective from over in Europe. Again, for Joshua, he is a mega star over there. Let's see if he delivers in this fight on Saturday. I have a feeling it will be a knockout, and it may be quickly. It may be in under five rounds, as we keep joking here tonight. I just don't see Pavetkin being able to bomb with Joshua, and he will eventually get to him. We'll find out. That's why it's boxing. That's why it's great to watch all of this unfold. My thanks again to our friends at Radio Influence, as again, they house this podcast, and wherever you're hearing it through them, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe through Stitcher, subscribe through Google Play, Play. That way, when there's a new Big Fight weekend, it automatically comes to your device, your phone, your iPad. That's what we want. Rate the show, rank the show, promote it, spread the word. We'll come back after the weekend with a post-fight show, a recap show of this Joshua Pavetkin fight. Whatever happens, special guest, insight, analysis. Let's see if Anthony Joshua keeps it undefeated and keeps rolling towards a possible fight in 2019 with Deontay Wilder. We will find out. For now, it's Joshua and Pavetkin coming Saturday. Thank you for being with us. I'm TJ Reeves. It's been another edition of Big Fight Weekend. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The thing that really sticks out to me about that fight, it was about, I would say, probably around the two-minute mark of that fight, Mark Hunt lands a right hand that probably would have dropped a majority of people and Olenek getting flinched. He just took it. And that, to me, was almost like the turning point of the fight because at that point, it was pretty much a Mark Hunt fight. I, I was sitting there, I'm, and I, I've got one eye on the fight, one eye on college football, and I see Hunt, you know, is you know winning the fight at that point. He lands that right hand, and Olenek's like, you know, act like he just tapped him. And I was like, that's the that's the point to me. The fight changed, and where it almost I, I felt like there was a little bit of a facial reaction of Mark Hunt going, "Oh my God, he didn't fall." Yeah, man, it was really a topsy turvy first round. There was filled with momentum. It was like Mark Hunt gave him his best shot, but not only his best shot. Man, was he chipping away at the legs of Alexei Olenek. And all those things must have hurt. The way he responded to the shot made it seem like it was not the biggest deal in the world. But you got to think deep down inside. O-double-O uh, was feeling the pain from his legs to uh, maybe seeing a few stars. But again, the story of this fight was Olenek hung with Mark Hunt on the feet and did not die. He was able to survive uh, really the best effort from one of the best strikers in the heavyweight division. And he responded in kind by going back to his game 
and, and kind of showing why we call him the boa constrictor, taking down Mark Hunt, getting the submission. I, I think if you look at Alexi Olenek's career, uh, this along with the Travis Brown victory uh, are the career highlights. And uh, this was just a, a, a nice performance out of Alexi Olenek. This wasn't your stereotypical dominant outing from a heavyweight making a statement. He went out there, he weathered the storm, and he kind of put himself in a position where you look at Alexi Olenek and you kind of get excited for his next fight because uh, this guy is capital T tough. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.